Hello, my little nectarines. It's me, Allison. Welcome to another exciting episode, which will be starting for real in just a moment. But first, I just want to talk to you guys about a few things. And one of them is that I'll have you know, I almost just took a sip of milk. I was in the kitchen. I was taking some Advil. There was nothing to drink except milk. And then I thought, no, 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 I will not do that to you because I have it in my head somewhere that milk, dairy in general, does something negative to your dulcet tones. And I need my tones to be the most dulcety for you. How are they sounding? I think they sound great. Instead, I had Fresca. So we'll see what that does to this mellifluous big words. Anyway, I want you guys to know that Alison Rosendock. <clears throat> what? My voice sounds fine, but my brain doesn't. Allison Rosen is your new best friend is supported by audible.com. Audible is the internet's leading provider of spoken word, entertainment, information, and educational programming. You can download content from Audible and play back on your smartphone, portable device, or your PC whenever and wherever you like. And you guys might enjoy a little title that I would recommend called Dear Mrs. Fitzsimmons. It's by the one and only Greg Fitzsimmons, guest of this here episode that you're about to hear. How do you like that? That, my friends, is Synergy. Unless synergy means something that I don't think it means. I think it's synergy. Is it synergy? Let's discuss some other time. Audible is offering Allison Rosen as your new best friend listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audiblepodcast.com slash BFF and choose from over 180,000 titles. Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audiblepodcast.com slash BFF. That's audiblepodcast.com slash BFF to get started today. All right, you guys, do that. But also listen to this episode with Greg Fitzsimmons. Here it is. Here we go. Okay, let's go right now. Here it is. Allison Rosen. Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with her good times never end. Allison Rosen. Hey everyone. Hi. Hello. Welcome to another exciting episode of Allison Rosen is your new best friend. I am sitting here with Greg Fitzsimmons, return guest. Hello, Greg Fitzsimmons. How's it going? You say return guest like that doesn't happen a lot. It doesn't happen that much. You're in an elite cadre. Or is it that people don't want to come back on your show after you dress them down the way you do? They beg me to come back. That feels good, right? Yeah. It does feel good, actually. I mean, I was kind of joking when I said that. Yeah. And you didn't even, you didn't beg me. You have no use for me. I had to beg you to get here. I think you asked once and I said I'm all over it. See, I begged. Yeah. But did you, But I, I put it in beg font. <laughs> right. You could, it you was. could smell the it desperation. It was a Helveda 24. Oh. <laughs> exactly. The italic. Right. It does feel good when people ask to come on your podcast, though, Um, and I know that, like, I recently asked someone if I could do her podcast and she said yes, but I... And I said to her that, and she was really happy that I had asked her, and I said that when people ask me to come on my podcast, I always am so happy they did, and yet when I'm in the position of asking, I feel, I don't know, I feel weird about it. I don't want to do it. But I've had a couple people ask me recently that I wish had not asked me because I know them as stand-ups, and I like them as people, but I don't particularly like their stand-up. Right. And then they asked me to come on, but like this guy did it the other night in front of a few other comics. Like, mm. hey, man, you know, and he listens. So he's always coming up to me going like, hey, I love that episode with Kindler when you guys did that. And thanks, man. And then 
I kind of knew this day was coming, and but he did it in a really bad way. He was around other comics, and he goes, so hey, man, can I come on your podcast? And what am I going to say? You have you know? to say yes and so then I blow said, him off. Yeah, sure. And then I gave him my email reluctantly. Like I really put out a vibe of like I kept talking to other people as we were talking. And then he emailed me and I just – I feel bad, but I don't feel bad because he didn't do it right. Mm-hmm. He should have done it in a way one-on-one. Hey, man, no pressure, but if you ever need a guest, I love your podcast. Love to come on. You know? That Yeah. But to do it like the way he did really put me on the spot. Now, if he had done it differently, would you have him on though? No. But it wouldn't ruin our relationship. Whereas I mean, now, when I ask somebody to come on their show, first of all, I just I assume that you know I've thought it out and it and it makes sense, right? And if it doesn't make sense, I'm very trepidatious about asking, and I let them know that there's no pressure. Yeah, I feel like I need to rephrase everything I said. I love it when wonderful podcast guests ask if they can be on my show. And I'm confident if I'm asking someone if I can do their show that I will be good on their show. Yeah. If you're less than excellent in any direction, leave us alone. Right. That's my new inclusive statement. What do you think? Call the podcast more than excellent. More than excellent. Right. I'm sorry that you're being... um, I love this goddamn dog. Oh, good. Okay. Then I won't apologize. What is she, like a king's terrier? Cavalier King Charles. A cavalier King Charles. It, it sounds I like, like a- I should bow down to her. <laughs> she would love that. Wow. Yeah. So the last time you were on was um, 2012. It was late 2012. I didn't wow. realize it had been that long. Yeah, that's way too long. But I have a small bone to pick. Okay. On that podcast, it came out that you... When you were young, I don't know about now, sometimes put pencils in your butt while masturbating. Correct. Now, everyone knows that now. In fact, I tweeted out, if you, do you know, does anyone have any questions for Greg Fitzsimmons? 95% of them were pencil-related questions. <laughs> like, you are now associated with pencils. I think because yeah. we did a live Adam Carolla show and I mentioned it. Yeah. And then now everyone knows. But I don't think that I have been paid the due that an intrepid journalist is owed for having ferreted out that information straight from your butt. Like, why does it, why is everyone not so you like have a pencil to pick with me? Exactly. Yeah. I feel like people should be like, Oh yeah. Greg Fitzsimmons likes a pencil in the butt. Alison Rosen found that out. Right. And she, I went and I, I, I hunted and gathered that information. And I brought it back to the community. Right. But no one remembers me. It's all about you and the pencils. All right. I guess my uh, I would love to get out there and spread the word about your discovery. Thank you. But I'm not really promoting the idea of me with a pencil <laughs> in my ass. Now, if you had discovered that um, I was this, the, the the youngest uh, student of BU to receive the Distinguished Alumni Award, is that true? Yes. Then I would say I would keep telling people that you had come upon that mm-hmm. and illuminated it. But a number two Ticonderoga deep in my anus as a 14-year-old. Couple inches in is what you said. Couple inches in. You know how there's there's rubber and then there's the metal band and yes. then there's wood? Right. And I would say an inch of it was the rubber and the metal and the other inch was wood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, there's just so much more intriguing stuff both comedy from like a comedy perspective and a sociological perspective. There's so much more swirling around the pencil than the distinguished young alumni award. Right. Right. Yeah. Okay. But tell me about this award. I'll try to see if I can muster up my interest. 
Well, basically, I started um, the year I graduated Boston University. My friend was working at the uh, reunion weekend. You know, they have they have graduation weekend, and it's when all the alumni come back. And they always had tickets for the Boston Pops, and it would sell out because BU's got, you know, 40,000 students. So she said, we need another event. And I said, well, what about a comedy night featuring all BU alumni comedians? You know, we got Mark Marin and Jeff Ross and just a ton of really good comics. Didn't Joe Rogan come out of there too? No, he started in Boston, but he didn't go to BU. Okay. And so I saw, I set up this uh, comedy show, and I started doing it in 89 when I graduated. I've done it every single year, and I produce it and put it together, and I, I've done it myself every year. Um, and just other... Other um, charity work that I've done in the community, and then also with, uh, you know, whatever success they they saw me having. I get very, very awkward in saying I had success because well, I'm did Irish. You? Did you have success at that well, point? Won, Four daytime Emmy Awards. But the, <laughs> so, they, so they gave me this award, and so I came back to the school, mm-hmm. and my mother came up from New York, and all my friends that lived in the Boston area all came in, and they, this big dinner, and the dean of students gave me the award, and I got to make a speech, and I told them in the speech that I hadn't even applied to Boston University, that I, was, I went to Europe for a year after high school. I saved up like three grand, hitchhiked around Europe for nine months wow. with three grand and a backpack. And that my father applied to BU in my absence, wrote the essay, everything, oh, and I boy. got in. So I had to tell them that. And then I had to tell them that I was, uh, I was arrested for assault with a deadly weapon freshman year and uh, almost kicked out of the dorms and there was a whole hearing. You had to tell them this? No, it was funny, though. Okay. <laughs> That's what I assumed. And then suddenly I wondered if there was some sort of vetting process. No, I, if they had vetted, I doubt I would have gotten it. Doesn't sound like it. No, very little vetting. Yeah. Your dad might have gotten it. My father, actually, it's funny you say that. He went to Boston University, and then my sister went to Boston University. You have a and, legacy. Well, and all of us ended up, there's a two, there's, it's a four-year school, obviously, but for, there's a two-year program that you start with, if you're dumb, called Basic Studies, the College of Basic Studies. And it means that you usually got really bad grades, but then you got high test scores. And then they let you in thinking that they can teach you right. how to learn which they did in my case. They were amazing. And they really like, for the first two years, you just take English, history, science. It's like high school. And you actually have the same classmates for every class that you take. Mm-hmm. And then your second two years, you've done all your uh, prerequisites. So then, boom, you just go into whatever major you want to do and take all those classes. What was your major? English and history. Ask me a question. Um, well, this is not the kind of question that you're looking for, but I'm curious wh- what kind of literature and what uh, segment of history w- were you most oh, interested in? Oh, I thought you were going to ask me like a trivia question. I know. Um, I really liked um, contemporary fiction. Um, I I really liked Shakespeare. I took every Shakespeare class that they had. And, uh, and as far as history, it was just everything. I just fucking loved it. Because, you know, growing up in New York, going to public schools, it was really just Western European and American history. That was it. And to learn about the the Chinese dynasties and the Russian czars and, you know, it was really really mind-boggling. It just changes your whole perspective. Do you still read a lot? Yeah, a lot. Because I was an English major and I find I do not read nearly as much. Well, you're probably on your phone all the time. Well, yeah, I'm reading, but just not books. Yeah. 
That's not okay. It, well, it's hard. Big. What I do is at night when the when the people your dog is <laughs> going fucking crazy. I know. Chaos. I know. Should we put her in the cage? She'll go nuts if we put her in the oh. crate. Wendy, hey, calm down. Here, Wendy. You are a disruption, and people on Twitter have already complained about you. The uh. The, nobody tweets or does anything after like seven, eight o'clock at night. So when I get into bed, I actually mostly listen to audiobooks now because my wife turns the lights out at like 10 and then I'll stay in bed for like an hour and a half and listen to audiobooks. How can any human go to bed at 10? Because she's up early with the kids and uh, maybe 11, I guess closer to 11 now, but I'm always up at least an hour after her. So uh, I'm listening to the uh, Rise and Fall of the Third Reich right now. Oh, is this the, your first time with that one? Yes. Holy shit. Hitler was a loser until he was like 32. He I... was like, a, he was a fucking tramp. Yeah. Yeah. And I suspect, and this has probably been said before, if he had been, you know, amazingly successful in high school, maybe it all wouldn't have happened, but it actually probably would have still. I don't know. He he tried to get into art school. They wouldn't let him in. Tried to get into architecture school. Wouldn't let him in. I mean, this guy really, it's amazing because he he was only well-educated from reading a lot, but he fucking knew power. He understood how to leverage. And you see it from the very first organization he was in that had like 15 people in it. And within one speech, he was the leader of those 15 people. And then he started just making speeches and people clamored and they showed up and it was literally all the power of speech. That was it. He didn't have any doctrines that were necessarily original. He was drawing on all the sort of national socialism that was going on in that at that time. You know, post-World War One, there was just thousands of mom and pop revolutionary uh, anti-Jew groups popping up in Bavaria. Right. It wasn't even original. Not at all. I mean, a lot of his ideas he got from Hess, who is not a smart guy, mm-hmm. but he just summed up what the working class people wanted. And at that point, you know, the mark was going to, it was like, by the end, it was like, you know, five million marks to a dollar. So these people had no spending power. They were fucking broke and they felt like the government had sold them out. And so anti-government speeches were very popular and he was the best at them. Right. Yeah. When the economy turns to shit, it's not a great time to be a Jew. Well, because you guys keep your money in gold, right? I guess. Yeah. I mean, I know we control the money, but well, I yeah. haven't been given the keys to the room where we keep it. It's so weird that the keys on the ATM machines are not in Hebrew. They really should be. You know? I know. I'm nodding. That's terrible. <laughs> terrible pod. You know what? Let's take a quick break that we will edit out while I put while I try to put her in the crate because she's going right. nuts. As long as you don't edit out the part where I... To the ATM joke. No, we I got to keep that one. It's funny. I had another funny joke the other day. I'll cover why you put the dog in there. Here's another funny joke I had the other day. It goes. <laughs> it goes like this. Um, somebody brought up clit rings, and I said a clit ring, a clit ring is like when they when you find that there's already a flag on the surface of the moon, and you realize like man has been here before. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I got a bunch of jokes also about, um, you know, raising my kids and them thinking that that I'm not cool. And and it's so difficult when you grew up and you were cool. Like, I really was a badass. I got into a lot of fights. I spent uh, three different weekends in jail. 
and uh, drunken Coke, three-way, everything. And I just look at these little fucks like, oh, I'm not cool? You don't know me, motherfucker. And and so and now I say that, and then I keep thinking, I want to say this stuff on stage. But my kids are 11 and 14, and my son is at that age where like, I know that pot, his friends are smoking pot, and I know that, uh, you know, chicks are much more aggressive sexually than they were. And I feel like if I put out this idea that I've done all this shit, he's, he's, his default answer is going to be, well, you did it, dad. And so I have to hide who I am. And it hurts my, it hurts my creativity. It doesn't allow me to be myself on stage or on my podcast. And I'm, I'm fucking, my career is going to die because I'm being a good father. I, I, I don't know if I'm willing to make that sacrifice. Do you know what I mean? I don't even know what you were saying. That's I what d- a great host I am. I did a rant about uh, my kids not thinking I'm cool. Oh. Yeah. All right. Let's let's let the listener in on this that we might take out. Should we leave this in or no? I don't think it reflects well on me since I had to get up and I but, – but it probably reflects well on Greg – well, Was I think it it's also. I think it's good to deconstruct a podcast a little and show the behind the scenes. Oh, that's what we're doing right now. Yeah, I think that was more on Wendy than you. Right, but but Wendy is mine, so it sort of reflects onto me. Nah, she, she's a dog. She's going to be a dog. Well, I how know. was the rant? The rant was funny. Interesting. He didn't answer it straight on. It makes me wonder what was really going on. Are you wondering as well? Yeah, I feel like I should have gotten support from you earlier. Like, um, no, Greg was really good. We definitely want to keep that in. Right, and instead it was just there we go. a Wendy-based comment. Right. I mean, I do pay him, though, and you don't, so. It's embarrassing when your dog doesn't behave in the same way that when your child doesn't behave because it really does reflect on, you know, your... But, but the dog is fairly new, right? She's a puppy. Yeah. But... My concern, part of me thinks that she will grow out of this because there are certain behaviors that she has grown out of. Oh, she's totally going to grow out of that. The other part of me worries, though, that she's just becoming a bad, like a bad dog that doesn't have any manners. I've heard that I've heard it referred to as manners. um, Well, the cage is good. Every single dog trainer in the world will tell you that your dog needs to be in a cage when, when she's not behaving. And that ultimately they like it because it's it's a confined space. That's what they're used to a den. Right. Yeah, she's fine now because she's got some treats inside the crate. But we'll see what happens when she finishes those. Hopefully she'll just calm down. So let's go back to what we were talking about before all the craziness happened. Um, what was the essay that your dad wrote about? He wrote about my trip to Europe using the postcards that I was sending him <laughs> from the road. So he sort of like... Uh, it was it was like my mon my mind comp a did, little bit. <laughs> did you not know that he was applying for you, or no. did you know you didn't? Uh, know. No, I know I didn't want to go to college. Mm-hmm. I had no interest. And then um, and then after being in Europe for that long, I sort of grew up, and I was like, it was it's fucking hard. I mean, to me, I was eighteen years old, and I was living off a very small amount of money. I was picking up little jobs here and there. And realizing that life is really hard, like just getting to a train and getting to the next place and navigating, changing money and, you know, just trying to socialize and right. just, just get through life. I was like, wow, this is really, hard. it really made me grow up fast. And I'm a huge believer in that gap year. And I will encourage my kids very strongly to do it. And, uh, 
And so then I sort of rethought college and I was like, wow, there, there's a dorm and a cafeteria and there's a schedule for my class. Like I was kind of into it. So I, so I drove up to Boston. My, uh, my dad drove me up. And from Terrytown, right? From Terrytown, where Bruce Jenner's from, by the way. Did you see the special the other night? Yes, I didn't know he. I, I forgot that he was from. Well, you there, remember though. the footage of his little apartment there? I think so. It was okay, very full, snowy. Full disclosure: it's DVR'd. I got through the beginning of it, and then I fell asleep. In my defense, I'm doing IVF right now. I'm on a thousand drugs. I am not myself. I think that is clear. But I do want to watch the rest of you it. You got some good TV ahead of you. I'm pretty excited. Some of the best TV I've seen in years. Yeah. Yeah. What's your What's your take on this whole thing, though? I think the guy wants cock. You do? Oh, no, I'm sorry. He wants to get rid of cock. <laughs> I just love that Diane, Diane Sawyer kept coming back to whether or not he was gay. She, she couldn't could hand, not, she could she not could wrap her not head around wrap it. Her no, head I know. around this, this concept, which isn't that hard of a And I had my daughter watch. She's 11. And I said, right. Judge, I want you to see this, you know, because this is a really it's important. important thing. And this is a guy who is, uh, you know, being very eloquent about it and, you know, and uh, she just kept coming back to it to the point where I was just like, okay, okay. Yeah. Come on, Diane. Yeah. But anyway, so so I got to Boston for the first time in my life in the passenger seat of my dad's car. And we pulled in and 250,000 kids show up to Boston every fall to go to school. And you just saw U-Hauls with kids moving couches out and frats with fucking kegs on the front and, you know, beautiful trees going down Commonwealth Avenue. I was just like, oh, yeah. And it was the greatest four years of my life. Worst night of my life was the, the night of graduation when it was over. Just because you didn't want to leave? I was just, it was perfect. It was a perfect fit for where I was in life. I was curious and I had always been bad at school and suddenly I was doing well and I met the greatest guys. They're still to this day, you know, the seven or eight guys that I'm really close to are my best friends in the world. And um, I just love Boston. I got tons of pussy. And I was drinking my face off. And, you know. Well, as we know from the last podcast, you're an incredibly intense animalistic lover. Probably the best many women have had. I'm not afraid to use both hands. And you're quite well endowed. Yep. The funny thing is that I thought maybe you were putting me on with all of that. Yeah. But then when I re-listened to it, I'm like, oh, no, you're being very serious. Do you want to see it? Your hands? You're afraid. You're afraid to see it. Should I be afraid? I'm not afraid. Would it change things between us? We do have a wonderful relationship where we do each other's podcasts right. every two years. Right. That's true. It's very close. I don't want to fuck that up. <laughs> I'm going to keep it sheathed. What if I said yes? I would do it. You would show me your... Absolutely. I was on stage in San Francisco a couple of years ago, and some woman doubted me. Somehow my cock came up in conversation, mm-hmm. and she doubted me. And I said, I'll show it to you right now. And she came up on stage, and I, we went behind that little curtain behind the stage, and I, I whipped it out. And you got to say, whip it. Right. And, uh, and, she, and you just heard her go, ooh. <laughs> and then she sat down, and I said, so was I lying? And she just shook her head violently. And uh, I, I earn the respect of those 250 people. All right. Well, that's enough for me. Okay. Although I, I, I'm not totally comfortable with my decision not to see it. Let Do you me have think curtains? about it. Do you have curtains here? No. I mean, we have blinds, but. Nah. Oh, you have these little Chinese things. We got Chinese things. Yeah. We have little screens. The little Why, things you don't want... that Bruce Lee kicks through. You don't want Jeff to see it? 
No, I'm not comfortable with that. Why? I, mean, I don't know how Jeff feels about it, but... He knows I'll be judgmental. Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I don't think you've seen that many penises in your life, and I feel like Jeff has. Yeah. And he's <laughs> been in locker rooms. Oh, I see. Yeah. That, yeah. that too. Yeah. And I'm more of a uh, testicular symmetry kind of guy. Right. Yeah. Oh, no, but I, I imagine you're symmetrical. As you get older, one hangs a little lower than the other one. Is that what okay. you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I and also, the- I have a couple gray pubes, which which I Would I have went touched after- up if you knew you were going to be on display today? No, I just think it makes me less apt to, to whip it out. Uh, I, could, I could shaft you through the fly and keep the balls tucked away. Mm-hmm. I might be more comfortable with that. Right. A little salt and paper, pepper makes your cock look more distinguished. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. That's true. You know, it's so unfair, though, because female cocks, it's just all about how old and wrinkly they look. Right. Oh, wait, no. What? Um. Anyway. So, BU. Yeah. Now, college was, I loved college as well. Where'd you go to school? Pomona College. Where this, is that It's in California? Claremont. Yeah, it's one of the Claremont colleges. It's oh, a wow. consortium. It's a small liberal arts college. Congratulations. I, thank you. How did you like high school? Not good at all. I was, uh, I got in a lot of trouble. I had like a D average and... Um, you know, I was in public school up until ninth grade, and then I got I got in a lot of trouble, and so my parents sent me to a private school, and it got worse. Why did you start getting into trouble? Do you think I? You know, it's stand classic standard alcoholic dad who hit me. I think as a small kid with a giant father, it fucked me up a little bit, and mm-hmm. then I think I had ADHD pretty bad, which I I wear a patch now every day. What uh, is the patch release? It, Ritalin. Oh wow, and so. So I think I had learning problems, and then I also had uh, trauma. And so I was, I would get into fights at school, right? And I would uh, daydream, and I was a real wise ass to teachers. And then I had a really hard time doing the homework because I just I would I would lapse during class. I'd look out the window, and then all of a sudden, I'd. It was a very difficult school. It's mm-hmm. a really good, the good, private school. Yeah, and so. Uh, I think if I'd been on top of my game, I might have done okay, but I was high a lot. And ADHD wasn't even a a diagnosis back then, right? No, hyperactivity was, but I didn't really have hyperactivity. Right. I had like uh, depression mixed with uh, ADHD. Where are you now with depression? I take some medication and I do TM every day and I work out every day and uh, I I try to talk to friends a lot. I do everything you're supposed to do Mm -hmm. and I'm- Doing good. Feeling good. Yeah. A lot of people are into TM, Transcendental yeah. Meditation. Right. I sometimes wonder if I should be. If, if it's you, expensive. It is, but you don't have to go that route. You know, Russell Simmons has a book, mm-hmm. and he explains how to do it just very simply. You know, um, your mantra can be any. It can literally, he just says, everybody just use OM, because it's the classic mantra. A mantra has to reverberate, even though you're not saying it out loud. Mm-hmm. Even in your mind, it reverberates a little bit. And um, and it's just really sitting sitting very still. You're not thinking about your breathing. You do your mantra. If your mind wanders to something else, that's totally fine. You can let it go. It's not like oh, other I meditations. Thought, yeah, I thought you're supposed to sort of gent- gently pull it back. Yeah, you do. You do, but not not. there's not the focus to do that the way you hear with some breathing meditations where you're supposed to really stay focused on the breath. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and you go into these lowered... Uh, states below this be you know you go below a sleep state to a theta state and you will begin to wait is it beta or theta you, you 
think you, I think sleep is a beta, and then you go to a theta with TM. Okay. So you come out of it feeling like you just had a long sleep, even though it's twenty minutes, and I all oh, my stress just goes away. Like you know that three four o'clock like around now. Yeah. Where you just start to get a little frazzled and depleted, and you I don't do know it. what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm the picture of that right now. I am just, I'm a frazzled nerve behind a mic. Hi, guys. Right. You do it and you'll feel good. Yeah. So you don't, so it's it's not about trying to have nothingness in your head or trying to bring your thoughts back. You can really let your thoughts wander. Right. And if you start with the mantra, your thoughts will go to where they need to be. You know, like we all release, if you have violent thoughts, it means you need to release energy. Right. And you can have a lot of creative thoughts. You can problem solve like kind of subconsciously. There's a lot that goes on because your brain is in this lowered state. So I've been meditating lately. Um, I downloaded the, there's these special IVF meditations, which there's so much of a mind body connection, I guess. No, my friend, of, my friend's wife went through this and it, it, that helped her a lot. Yeah. You know, so many people who have gotten pregnant or have struggled to get pregnant have said to me, have you been doing acupuncture? Have you been doing like any of the sort of, um, more mystical things, right. which I haven't been doing at all. I've just been doing the, um, scientific, here's a bunch of money try to get me pregnant i'm taking a bunch of drugs and it sucks kind of thing so i thought what the hell i'll you know i do feel frazzled so i'll try these meditations um and there's like different ones for each day of the cycle and since i've been doing them what happens is a couple minutes into it i begin to cry and this is what happened to me last i've tried meditation in the past and it just made me realize right under the surface for me, is just a bunch of pain. And I do think I need to work through that. Needs to be released. I guess. No, that's what meditation does. I'm it, hoping that this alone, like I don't, maybe I, I feel like maybe I need to work through it in some other way. But it's like leftover stuff that I do. F- you know what? It's like in the, the traumas that I've experienced in the past or the tough stuff, I'll work through them um, 85%. And then I hit, I get to the point where I'm like, I think I've worked through it. And then I think I stuff it back. And then... It yeah, but it sounds out. like if you're crying that quickly, it's ready to come out. And yeah. you know, that's what meditation does is it breaks down the barriers and it just allows, it, it sort of locks up the part of your brain that keeps that stuff in. Yes. And that's, that's why I was I talking like. about like the violent, when you have violent, because I do a lot, I have these mm-hmm. violent fantasies while I'm meditating. And the teacher goes, yeah, that's, that's what you're going to need to do because you've got, you know, whatever kind of anxiety, whatever energy needs to get out, that's how it gets out. So the crying for you is a very direct relationship to some trauma that's gone on that may like you said that might be left over right and uh it'll be gone it'll it'll never be gone because you need some of it you know the thing that makes you sit behind a microphone and be talented and funny and all that is that you've you've got a little bit of uh you know damage charge a little charge under there yeah yeah oh that's interesting um your violent fantasies are they the same violent fantasy or do you have Various ones. Various ones. Like, is it whoever you're upset with that day? Uh, there's, there seems to be a few guys that I'm uh, upset with a lot on a regular basis. Some of them for 20 years. Really? Yeah. Do you care to share any of that? Well, there's one comic that I just have always felt like was kind of a backstabber. And I hate schmoozers. I hate people that are up the industry's ass. And they tell and they tell every a back slapper to every comic and mm-hmm. and yet underneath you just see that they're scheming. Yes. 
So there's a guy who just represents all that to me, and uh, I don't. I I get angry because he's had some fair amount of success. Oh, I want to know who it is so bad, but I bet you're not going to say it. I'm not going to. Stephen Wright. <laughs> that guy. He's <laughs> that he's so guy. ambitious. <laughs> <laughs> he has really worked the system. That's why you see him everywhere. Just schmoozing, yeah, hanging right. around. Yeah, the th- he's like 50% talent, 50% just determination. <laughs> you know, I just saw him in Vegas this year, and he, he was great. All new shit, smart. And we had eaten some uh, edible gummy bears before we went. And what a what a perfect match for gummy bear high. Right. Stephen Wright jokes. And my friend, and I'm friends with him. So after the show, we went backstage and uh, a friend of mine had flown in from Philly uh, the night before and then stayed up all night. And he fell asleep during the show. And I said, I, we talked to Stephen. Within three seconds, I went, my buddy Dan fell asleep during Iraq. <laughs> and Stephen Wright could not stop laughing. He just kept coming back to that. He's like, why would you come to a show? He's like, I've never had anyone tell me that somebody fell asleep at a show before. He goes, I love that because I know people do, but nobody ever admits it. And he just couldn't stop laughing. And Dan was fucking mortified. <laughs> The other thing that happened when you were on my show, besides the um, the wow, you what do you go back and listen to the old show that's before the, it comes that's in? That's the new thing I've been doing. Yes, wow, you know, I should do that. It helps you avoid doing my biggest fear, which is the exact same episode. Right. I never used to do it. I, it used to be that the research that I would do on people was of all their other stuff, and then I realized yeah. sometimes my own research helps me more actually because presumably i already researched them back then yeah so um yeah i Does mean we'll Jeff see if do it... research for you none no because oh, my producer writes a whole script for me really yeah does Bio. it help you a lot oh fuck yeah like i haven't even looked at yours yet but when we do your you're gonna be on my podcast right i'm just gonna open the document and then it's gonna have what i need to say at the beginning the ads uh-huh. bio points on you, listener mail, and, uh, you know, um, news items that might be good. It's all there. Has he ever given you wrong information? Yeah. How do you feel about that? I got upset. You know, when it happens, I get upset. But he's a real pro. He, I mean, like like Jeff, he's, he knows what he's doing, and he's he's experienced. And so I don't I don't get angry like, you know, like an asshole. Mm-hmm. But... I don't let it slide because it's embarrassing when I'm talking to a guest and I tell, I say, so you won a golden globe for whatever. And they're like, no, actually I nominated, but I lost. It's kind of, it's kind of awkward. Right. So I just don't let him use Wikipedia. That's if he uses Wikipedia, he has to put an asterisk next to it (laughs) that says Wikipedia. Yeah. Yeah. Jeff. You could learn a thing or two from this. Well, Jeff your, is glaring at d- me right now. Does your producer chase your dog around the living room <laughs> trying to get a plastic <laughs> bottle out of its mouth? <laughs> oh, the bottle is hurt. W- were you playing with her, or were you trying? No, to- I was trying to get the bottle away from her because she was making a lot of noise. Oh, okay. Yeah, I was gonna say we we allow her to play with that now, but it's too mm. noisy. I know. Yeah. See, Jeff has his strong points. Oh, he does. You know, and he's, and how? Yeah, well, I don't know how. But he's got him. <laughs> I got him. So what network are you on now? What uh, I'm podcast solo. Network? You're solo. Yes. So how are you getting your ads? Uh, I have a company that sells my ads, Public Pod- Media Marketing. Oh, because I use Podcast One. Mm. How's your company working out? They're awesome. Really? I love them. They sell ads for This American Life. They sell them for Rogan. They sell them for Serial. Wow. Uh, and, and other podcasts. And are you mine. exclusive with them? Yes. They're super easy to work with. Um, they do a flat fee, 
So for listeners who don't know, some companies will do like a whole fancy rev share complicated thing. And then someone said to me, you know, the industry standard is just a flat fee. A percentage. Yes. Uh, And they, yeah, I'm super happy with them. You're part of Podcast One? Yeah, they're great. You know, I've been with them for a while. And, uh, you know, the guy who runs it. See what happens when you try to leave. Nor, it nor, might, might be a little more complicated than you think. Well, Norm Pattis, who runs it, he's got a uh, he's got this four seats on the on the court for the Lakers, like literally next to the bench. Right. So when they have like timeouts and they're talking in a little huddle, you're like six inches from them listening to the huddle. It's cool. You get sweat on you. Do, and do you get to go whenever you want? Usually after they've been eliminated from the playoffs. <laughs> Which is about three weeks into the season, generally. So what I was going to say is what happened on the show was I asked you about your brother and then about growing up with a brother who was so close in age. And then you said you didn't want to talk about that. And then it became incredibly awkward for a little while, even though I tried to power through. And when I listened back, I was like, it really wasn't as awkward as I felt it was at the time. No, it was. You felt it was awkward. Well, I know that if you brought it up now, it would be awkward. I'm not bringing it up. I'm bringing up discussing. I'm bringing up something about it. I'm just. That's like when somebody goes, I'm really sorry that you got upset when I did blah, blah, blah. Right. That's the most non genuine apology right, ever. Right, right. Yeah. No, I'm not. I'm not bringing it up to talk about it. I'm bringing yeah. it up to talk about what happens when someone doesn't want to talk about something. Oh, right. It's very, very meta. Um, although I remember there were listeners who were like, that was so awkward. So I guess some people felt it was awkward. I didn't really up- upon listening back. But I have this thing where if someone doesn't want to talk about something, then it always flusters me a bit because I worry that I've crossed a line or that I somehow should have known. Although in that case, there wasn't any way I could have known. It was just, right. it wasn't like I said, tell me about, your deepest, darkest shame. Right. Uh, that, Which I would tell you. I've had a pencil up my ass. I know. Or it wasn't like I said, tell me about some legal, something that someone no, would obviously know. I think with me, there's just certain things about. that I don't talk about, usually only related to my family. There's certain things that I just realized that the people that I would talk about have a right to not have me talk about it, you know, and I have, and I have to sort of judge right. what they're comfortable with. And then put a little uh, put a little shell around that. That that's happened to me as well because I like to be able to talk about everything. It's kind of my thing, and I've made a few missteps and and hurt some people close to me or angered them both. Uh, I feel worse about the times that I've hurt people than angered them because there's something about anger. You and I have talked about anger. Something yeah. about anger with me, where if someone's angry at me, then I'm like, well, then I'm angry at you. Yeah. But if I've hurt someone, then I feel really bad. So yeah, now I have to be mindful of that as well. It's just in in my family, it's just more about certain people. Just they're very private, and I'm very not private. Yeah. And that's di- it's difficult for me to navigate that. And now that I'm kind of aware of where the boundaries are if i cross them i feel like oh fuck yeah fuck i was trying so hard how did i do that well it's hard because then you look like howard stern who's made his career out of talking about those people and sharing everything to the point where you go like wow this guy doesn't care about his personal life it's all on the table Mm -hmm. i mean in this movie he talks about his wife's uh miscarriage right so you go like all right do i want to go for it 
and then you go like, well, I don't know that that's me. Uh, but then there's a part of you that feels like you're so drawn to it that you got to go there. It's See, for me, it's me to talk about everything, but it's not me to hurt people. Right. Which one? Where are you and all that? Um, I guess my sensitivity is mostly with my kids. And um, I feel like they deserve to have a life where they're not known in any way. Not that I'm a big celebrity, but, you know, there's people at their schools, like their friends' parents that might listen to my podcast. And I just feel like they shouldn't. I don't want them looking at my kids in a certain way because I've said things about my kids. Right. You know, I think so that's good. So I just try to keep them. I, when I'm saying loving things about them, that's great. But that's pretty much all you hear from me. Mm-hmm. Except that they don't they don't think I'm cool. Like innocuous things like that. But I'm not going to talk about, you know, things they've done wrong. Right. Generally. Or things that might embarrass them. Yeah. Um, how are you as an interviewer when someone says to you they don't want to talk about a certain topic? Um, it depends. I, I think the thing I don't like is when they don't want to talk about something. So they just put on the, they pull the string and fucking recite what they've said to a million interviewers already. Right. And I feel like that's my fault for asking a question that they don't want to talk about because they've done it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just, it's flat for like them. There's wrote. no life left in it. And so I feel like as an interviewer, I fucked up. If they're in, if I put them in that place, mm-hmm. then so I'm happy to get off of it. But in terms of them, yeah, if it's a personal thing for them, I, I don't want to get into it at all. But if it's something that uh, that I think they're being pussies about, then I'll push. <laughs> like, like in what way, pussies about? Well, if they don't want to take a political stance on something or a social issue and they're being, you know, PC mm-hmm. or somebody's like trying to say nothing but good things about like everyone in the Stephen industry. Like if they say Stephen Wright instead of the name of the right, community they hate. <laughs> right. You going to push me on that? No, out of respect to you, All I right. won't. All right. Because I would give it up eventually. Okay, who is it? Aziz Ansari. Is it really? No. Come on. Come on, Greg Fitzsimmons. No, I haven't known. He hasn't been doing it for 20 years. No, but I feel like he is ambitious. I'm going to give you three guesses. If you get it right, I'll tell you. This, which, <sighs> by the way, this is going to make you look bad because I've made a horrible description of a person, and now you're going to guess three people that would that fit that description. So let me remember. <laughs> it is someone who th- you're you're – Animus, if that is the correct word, and if it's not, I'm sure people will let me know, goes back like 20 years or so. Okay. Is that right? I'm still mulling over animus in my head. Dislike of Animosity? Yes, that's probably the right word. Okay. What does animus mean? Well, there's anima and animus, which describe the uh, sort of like an id, kind of like a an inner- Okay. Like a right. natural state. Then that's not what I meant at all. But animosity is- See, I've got I've got like two thirds of words. Two thirds of the word is coming <laughs> to me. Two thirds of words. <laughs> two thirds of words are coming to me. I blame all the drugs. I am blaming yeah. all the drugs and all the hormones and everything. My body is in an unnatural state, but according to the meditations, everything is balanced. Right. I'm supposed to accept the medicine. It's there for a reason. It's doing anyway. I think anima animus might also have to do with gender. Like I think does it male? Is anima yeah. and uh, or anima is female and animus is male? Did you look it up, Jeff? I'm working on it. Uh, 
Yeah, see, my producer would have like had this shit mm-hmm. up. Yeah, I, mean, I need his name in the notes. I don't see anim- animus and a n i m u s. Is that not coming up? Not I'm coming up. I'm certain that was a word. Yeah, it is. I think it's Greek. So your dislike of this person? Say, I got all highfalutin with my words. It goes back about twenty years. About twenty years. Okay, and this is someone who's had success. Yep. And you feel like they're work in the system right i'll see it i now i'm afraid to name names exactly jay leno no people some people dislike him i got no problem with jay leno all right is he that level no carlos mencia no i got one left all right this is someone who is always just being a big old phony and Mm. working the system Mm mm-hmm and he's successful. Mm-hmm. Do you have a guess, Jeff? I. You do. I don't want to say. Because you don't want to anger him? Well, say it and then you can edit it out and I'll tell you if it's right or wrong. <laughs> I don't want to use Allison's guess. She should use it. No, it's not that person. Who? <laughs> There's no way it's that person. Is this person a fellow podcaster? No. Yeah, it's not that person. I give up. I don't have another one. Oh, will you edit out if I say it right now? If you want us to. You have to bleep it. <laughs> oh, wow. You don't see him as schmoozy? And... I mean, I don't see him. He just seems like a nice guy, right? He seems like a super nice guy who hasn't had enormous success. Right. Okay, good. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. You know, he's like Greg Fitzsimmons level. I'm kidding. <laughs> no. Yeah, I, <laughs> no. I would say I would I would be I happy to be uh, at the same level as him. I think you're beyond him. Really? I think so. I think in some ways yes, in some ways no. So I guess we're going to have to edit that out, but we'll leave this part in. Okay. And then the listeners will always wonder what we were talking about. Right. And they'll probably tweet and guess. Yeah. And when they guess, they're going to at the person's name just to fucking humiliate me and create drama. Right. To create animus. <laughs> Right. <laughs> or whatever, or whatever that word is. Um, if, by, if by animus, do you mean in Carl Jung's school of analytical yes. psychology? Yes, yes. One of the things that are the two primary anthropomorphic archetypes? Yes, right. I do. I don't know what that is. <laughs> I think I said archetypes yeah, before, right? I think, you, I think you nailed it. Now, Greg Fitzsimmons, mm. what have you been up to in recent days? And while you tell us that, I'm going to find, um, I'm going to ask you, some questions that came in on Twitter, and I'm just going to pull those up. Um, I have been, I went to Spain with my family for two weeks. How was that? Vacation. It was phenomenal. Just, uh, you know, I just love my goddamn family. I, we just have a really good time together. We laugh a lot. Um, I'm in love with my daughter. I have a crush on my daughter. I think she's just the most, just deep and unique person. You say that. It's funny. You're like one of you're like my second favorite pervert. And yet you said that and on paper it would look pervy and yet there was nothing other than like healthy fatherly love in that statement. Right. It's hard to describe the feelings that you can have for your kids because there's no other other relationships just can't get anywhere near it. And uh you know with my son, I feel like he's a friend and I feel like I'm in awe of him because he is uh first of all he's like a really gifted soccer player. Like we were in Spain because he's the captain of the US team and we were over there in Barcelona. He was playing teams from Australia. Ivory Coast was his international tournament. And he's 
So I just, I was a shitty athlete, so I just watch him, and he's like a gazelle, and he's just gorgeous on the field, you know? He just outruns everybody, and he plays aggressive, but like a gentleman, and he's got style, and and he's just a good kid. He looks adults in the eye, and and he's vulnerable, even though he can be a little cool, he can be a little grunty and one-word answer, but that's just typical 14-year-old boy. Now I have a crush on him. Oh, and he's, I show you a picture of him, too. Is he hunky? He's my my daughter said to me yesterday. She's like, I'm so sick of it. Every girl at school has a crush on Owen because <laughs> they're two grades apart. Um, and then my daughter's a surfer. She goes out and surfs three days a week as her gym class. Wow, she must be really cool. She is, is. it possible to surf and be lame in school? I don't think so. I don't think my so. experience is only not all cool people surf but all surf people all people who surf are cool well cuz she's high right off the bat so that makes her pretty cool mm-hmm. she's 11 awesome so what else have you been doing you went to spain went to spain and, and then, then you've been writing on a bunch of shows been writing right? on some shows i wrote on this uh, american what was it called iheart radio mm-hmm. awards. awards jamie fox was the host and um we had a lot of Madonna and a lot of the Rihanna, all the big ones came out. So that was uh, that was a good job. I like to get writing jobs where I do them for like, you know, six weeks and then I'm done. I remember you were going to write or you did write on some New Year's, Carson Daly's New Year's Yeah, I was the showrunner on that one. How was that? It was, it was good. You know, it was fun because again, like you work backwards from, I'm starting and in six weeks it's New Year's Eve and at, at, you know, the show ended at 1 a.m. 1 a.m., I'm done. There's no editing bay, which I hate editing. There's no post. There's nothing. It's right. just, hey, everybody, happy new year. See ya. Walk out the door. And so uh, so it was fun. Um, but, you know, I try to get enough writing work where I get my health coverage for the year, which I've done for like 16 years straight. I've got enough through Writer's Guild on jobs. Or you sell one script and you can make enough where you get you hit the minimum for health coverage. I remember talking to you a while ago at your house, actually, when we filmed that little thing for the pilot, uh, and you were talking about that then. You were talking about hope there was a job that you were up for that you kind of want, like didn't really want, but kind of wanted for the insurance. Yeah, yeah, most of the jobs are like that. (laughs) I mean, because my love is stand-up, and I love podcasting. Writing is is really hard to do when you're used to being the center of attention mm-hmm. because you are you are the opposite of the center of attention. You're there to get out of the way, make somebody else look good, and be told what to do, which is really hard for me. Right, I bet. And you know, all of a sudden, you have got some PA walking through the halls, going, "Okay, everybody, we're in the room," <laughs> and you go like, "I got some fucking nineteen year old telling me what to do," <laughs> and then you got to sit in that room until someone. I mean, I, sometimes I'm the showrunner. Which I actually prefer not. I prefer making less money, but being a guy that walks out of work with nothing, you know, hanging over mm-hmm. his head. I can go home and I can go out and do stand up or whatever. I can usually carve out a couple days, like where I can go on the road and miss a Friday and leave early or, you know, whatever. So I prefer that. Um, but that d- doesn't sit well with my representatives because they want you to be moving up. Right. And so if you're if if you have the potential to be running shows, they want you to be doing that. Speaking of things hanging over your head, mm. uh before the show started, there was a potential opportunity for a 
a, an appearance that came my way and I was debating whether to do it and you advised me to do it. And right. so I wrote back and said I could do it. And now that's hanging over my head. Cause I'm like, fuck, I don't know if I really, I mean, I can do it, but like, it's going to be a crunch. Um, do you say yes to everything? No, What's your no, not at all. You just advise me to? No, because that's a brand. <laughs> the, you know, the thing they're asking you to do, I think it's all about quality mm-hmm. and things that, you know, if you were to look back and say, you know, like you just said to me, what have you been up to? If somebody says to you, what have you been up to? And you go, oh, I was just doing something with the Huffington Post. That's that's like a quality thing that you want to be associated with. Right. And it's And it's like, you know, those are the things that when people really pop, it can come from places like that. And so I think it's a smart thing to do. And uh, I also think that it's important that your representatives feel like they're creating opportunities for you and you're walking through the door. Right. You know, and and I turn down stuff that comes from my website a lot. People ask me <laughs> to do random shit. And, you know, I got a, a show in Canada, a radio show where you call in at 6, 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, I'm not going to do that. But. I think as a podcaster, I try to feel the brotherhood a little bit. And if someone's starting out a podcast, I'll I'll try as long as it's not like drive to Tarzana, uh, you know, at five p.m. <laughs> you know, I I'm not going to waste a whole day helping somebody. But if they make it easy and they say, you know, we'll uh, we'll come to your house, that's a great piece of advice to young podcasters. The, this equipment is so portable. Mm-hmm. Say to people, I'll come to you, and it doesn't have to be an hour long pod. You know what? Do your own podcast for a half hour and then interview me for 20, 30 minutes. You know, make it simple. Then people will agree to do it. That's true. That is good advice. I'm full of it. Craig Fitzsimmons. Kevin McWolve wants to know, it's well known he has a large hog. How would his life have been different if he were only average? I think it helped me a lot because I was a small kid. I was always skinny and I'm not that tall and I had freckles and acne. And I needed something that was like speak softly and carry a big stick. I think FDR said. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it gave me this quiet subconscious confidence that I just felt it. I felt it in my pants <laughs> that like I knew that I had a bigger dick than other guys did. And if I was talking to a girl, I could look her right in the eye and know that I could make her squirm. I could make her breathe deep. And I knew that her her loins would. <laughs> and now you're a grower and a shower. Yes. Is it more astounding, flaccid or erect? I don't know because, um, you know, usually when people see it, it's flaccid. But then at the same time, I've made love to a lot of women who uh, at sometimes could not actually do it with me. Wow. Yeah. I had a girlfriend who broke up with me because uh, it, it hurt. Mm. How'd you feel about that? Good. I bet. Yeah. Okay. Joe Mama's Daddy One says, this question is for both of you, grape or strawberry jelly? Strawberry. Strawberry in the morning, grape for lunch. Like if I have you, a bagel with uh, right. jelly on it, I want strawberry. But if I want a sandwich that's substantial, I want grapes. You're having a sam like a peanut butter and jelly. I had sandwich? one for lunch before I came here. PB and J. Yes, with grape jelly. With grape jelly. There you go. Dan Weberg says, "Do you think stand-up comedy is getting watered down?" I don't know. I I think that people talk about stand-up comedy like it's a like it's one flavor, 
And mm-hmm. and it's it's Baskin Robbins. There's a there's a million kinds of comedy that are going on. Some of the most hardcore comedy of all time is going on right now. Guys like I just saw David Tell last night bringing it hard. I love him. You know, there's guys like Anthony Jeselnik. There's a lot of there's a lot of P- Amy Schumer people that are doing it in a way. Bill Burr that are, it's truthful and it's hard. Um, so I think it's where you're going to see it. I think if you go to the comedy store, you're going to see. Harder core comedy, and if you go to the Nerdist, you might see people that are more of doing a, a, a kind of a more of a monologue, mm-hmm. uh, which is more personal. And I think I don't know what he means by watered down. Maybe, maybe he's talking about the industry as as a whole. Is there? T- I don't think there can be too much comedy. I think there's there's good and bad. And it's like it's like too many podcasts. Well, you don't have to listen to them all. Well, right. There's that question that I've I've gotten time and again. Um, you know, how do you feel about the fact that everyone has a podcast now? And I still think the talent will rise. I think it's great because even if somebody if somebody starts a podcast and they've got a hundred friends and family, those hundred people are going to suddenly get the app for downloading podcasts, or they're going to you know go to iTunes and find, and then they're going to look around, yeah, and they're going to see us, and they're going to try us, and if they like us, they're going to keep coming back, and it's all all boats rise with the tide. I love it. The more, the better. Um, I do think where it's a problem is asking people to be a guest on the podcast. Yes. I feel like the people that are good guests are being asked so often. I just don't want to be another guy asking them. So I got a booker now and I don't ask anybody to do the podcast. I mm. just, they book every one of my guests for me. You have someone who's hired specifically to book. Right. We should talk about that. I've yeah. wondered about the, I'd rather not cause I don't want you to have the same guests as me. You'd rather not even talk about it? I It's not on the table. All right. Is it expensive? I give him a percentage of what I make. Who's he gotten you? You, you have Why me you next. Me? She. Uh, oh, she. Who's he got? You've got me next? That's <laughs> hilarious. <laughs> I'm just saying, how's it working? <laughs> it's, you know, it's really like uh, sometimes it's people that are doing promotional tours. So sometimes it's like a really big name and we mm-hmm. just happen to catch them because they're looking to promote stuff. And then uh, I'll give them names of people I want them to go after, and then they'll reach out to them, and I don't have to. Um, so it's good. It really, I don't know that I could still be doing the pod. It's been like six years, and I don't know that I could still be doing it twice a week if I had to go after every guest. Is it? I'm. There was a woman who booked me on your show a long time ago. Is it that woman? No, I think she was just my producer, Eliana. Okay. Yes. Yeah. So it's someone new. Yeah. All right. Well, we'll talk more after. Okay. Or maybe we won't, depending on if you'll tell me more. But yeah, I have wondered about that. No, I, you can talk to them. I don't have to talk to your person. I just want to talk about them the more. The concept. Yes. Right. Right. In an animus kind of way. Well, maybe Jeff could, uh, you know, get more involved. He's actually, he's quite involved. Does he book the guests? He No, I book the guests, but I feel like he's open to it if I wanted him to. Yeah, and I've, I've dug up leads. He has, that's right. And we have an, an ongoing dialogue about guests. I have to say, in all ways, except for a few, no, in all ways, I am overjoyed with Jeff. You Delighted pay him by the by hour Jeff. or so you get a percentage of the rev? I pay him by the hour. How much? You can't say. I can't say. He okay. says his price. All right. He says his price? Sets. He set the price. He set the price yeah. and you didn't negotiate it. I didn't. Smart. Because I don't think he would ask for more money than he thinks would be reasonable. Yeah. And, I'm, go ahead. 
I was going to say I'm, re- I'm I'm amazingly affordable. But I will say this. <laughs> you, you missed the look on Jeff's face right now. Did it look Arch like you wanted to kill Head back with a little nod. <laughs> what is that the look of? What does that look say? I'm like, that's right, motherfucker. <laughs> oh, I got a big dick. Too. I was going more for, you're screwing me, pal. <laughs> this is not helping in any way. Hang I've on. really worked against you a lot in this podcast, haven't I? It's all for the show. You guys have had this long relationship, and I didn't know if this was like uh, a, you know, no. a sweetheart deal. <laughs> We're all happy here. Don't don't <laughs> well, get into don't get into our heads. We we we, we, we were. were. Yeah. Now we are rethinking a lot of things. This is what I was going to say before. Although I feel like everything is now called into question. Thanks, Greg. Um, it is by the hour, but there have been some nights that have been incredibly long, and I've been like, "Uh oh, this is going to cost me so much. I will have not made any money." Right. But then Jeff is incredibly fair on the invoice. Right. So, so, so you're nodding. He's you're a team fair. player. I'm he's a, I'm a team player. I'm a team, he's the teamiest. I'm a, I'm a team player, and I'm in for the long haul, not and, the short grift. Right, and I know that if this thing grows, which it will, then it can become. It's a brand. It could be a TV show. You could get coasters, some kind of swizzle stick. Things can happen. Mm-hmm. Things are happening on Things the coasters. It's swizzle stick front, my friend. I mean, we haven't talked swizzle stick, although I'm not against it. But I'm saying, think big. T-shirts. Cups. Are you go? Are you getting t-shirts? We are talking about getting t-shirts. <laughs> we totally are, and we have more plans for my ringtone. You know what the prop? You don't have a ringtone. I do have a ringtone. Hey, hey, hey! Go fuck yourself. <laughs> it's very, very popular. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Top three guests you've had of all time. Ooh, um, Jack Burdett. Do you know who that is? Writer. Writer, producer. Old, like, old-timey. Um, 30 Rock. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Kimmy Schmidt and a, bun- a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Um, Jennifer Lee Pryor, nice. Richard Pryor's widow. Yeah. And Greg Fitzsimmons. Nice. Do you like the company you're in? Very much so. And I think that if you're booking those people, you don't need a booker. I actually have um, done quite well for myself booking-wise. Yeah. People ask me, how do you get those guests? And I say, I just email them. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I tweet them. Yeah. And the guy who wants to know if stand-up comedy is watered down also wants to know, who are your top three guests that you've gotten through this booker? Maybe I want to know that. Carl Reiner. Okay. It's not bad. Judd Apatow. That's pretty good. And most of the cast of Silicon Valley. I love Silicon Valley. I do too. Love it. Yeah. Mike Judge follows me on Twitter. No. Yes. Have you asked him to be on the podcast? Yes, he didn't respond. He didn't. Have you had him on? No, but I've hung out with him. He's a really cool dude. I did, but He's I did He's a huge it, Stern fan. I did it in this way. I didn't say, hey, want to come on my podcast? Because that's a lot of pressure. Yeah. I just floated it by sideways. Like, oh, by the way, if you're ever, you know, I'm a huge fan. If you're ever available and interested in coming on my podcast, let me know. So handled, it's real open-ended. beautifully. Thank you. Yeah, I try not... Even when I'm asking people if they want to hang out, it's never like... It's never pointed. I you don't want it to be pointed. Real cash. Keep it cash. Yeah. And we talked about this earlier. I had a very bad right. experience. I know I had someone say to me, can I come on your podcast? It, it just in real time. That's not how you get yourself booked on a podcast. Right. You do it like you said. You say, hey, I'm a huge fan. 
if you ever need a guest, if you ever think need of me. a guest, right. right? I always put it that way, right? Yeah. I'm sure you got plenty of guests, but uh, you ever need somebody, you know, right? Here's I would my love number. to come on sometime, right? Yeah. Uh, and this person also wants you to know that his wife is Korean and she has very cute feet. <sighs> Once again, I think that came from my podcast too. Although maybe you talk about that everywhere. I might have talked about that elsewhere. All right. I still though clearly. Did you ever show me your feet? Uh, no, I never did. You always wear shoes. <laughs> is that unusual where you come from? Well, it's nice when once in a while a woman lets them breathe a little bit. Yeah. Throwing up right. some flip-flops around the house. Hmm. What's your favorite kind of flip-flop? Do you have one? Like the one with the I like rubbery the, sole? I like, the, or? I like the old school like YMCA swim swim locker. Right. So there's some nostalgia mixed yeah. into your foot fetish. Maybe they got a couple of uh, plastic flowers on them. Oh. 1950s style. Right. Where they really make a good flip and a flop when you walk. <laughs> they do make a it. good sound. Yeah. 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 Are, are we working on a little, uh, I'll show you mine, you show me yours scenario here? I uh, feel like that's, I feel like it's headed there. Yeah. Put it this way, if she showed me hers first, there'd be a lot more to say on mine. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Harris says, what's the worst injury you ever suffered? Neck injury. Well, I played hockey in high school, and um, I was small. So my coach, Gil Castagna, he taught me how to check people with the top of my head, and I would just dig in under their chin with the top of my head, and uh, and it worked really well. But then at one point, I um, I snapped my neck and I chipped a vertebrae. Oh my god! C three. And so I just I was at the chiropractor the other day. I've had this injury since the early eighties. And it continues to, like, my neck will just freeze up once a year completely. That sounds awful. Yeah, it sucks. And I'm not asking all the pencil-related questions. I'm, no joke, a shit ton of pencil-related butt questions. Really? Yeah. Here, I'll find one just so you can, can get the tenor of it. That's disturbing. Here you go, Clint Monroe. Ever substitute a Sharpie for a pencil? And if so, is your colon black? more of a joke mm-hmm. than I let me find it's got one. a little uh secret stand-up comic inside of him right ask him to tell you his story about the pencil up his wazoo <laughs> hello I already know it I but it's I discovered it yeah I know I struck gold with I that know. one all right let's move on to just me or everyone I'm and gonna give you like a, a I'm gonna give you something for your mantle it's gonna be a golden a pencil, pencil. <laughs> And me thanking you. Thank you. Yeah. That, finally, the, uh, the validation and the recognition I've been looking for. And I'm going to sign it. Please do. Yeah. I look the forward pencil. to that. Song. Sometimes I ponder on something I have thought or done. Is it just me or everyone? Update. The thing that was going to be tomorrow that I totally want to do, but tomorrow is not an easy day for me, turns out they're going to try to find another day. So, Good. Yeah, worked out. Good. But Excellent. whenever I'm not, whenever I don't give an immediate yes to something, I do worry that I'm coming across as difficult. But then I think in this town, everyone is difficult, except for the people that get ahead, I feel like are the people who are easy to book. Usually I'm easy to book. Right now, I am crazy. I think it's I think it's a little give and take. There's, it's it's like fishing, you know. You want to you got to let out a little line, and then once in a while you got to give a little snap, and reel that fucker in. 
And is saying yes, letting out the line, or just reeling the fucker in? No, saying yes is letting it out. Okay. And then once in a while, you just go, no, absolutely not. Oh, right. And then the power starts, and then you just keep saying no, 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 and they keep (laughs) wanting you more, and the fish is trying to get away, but you got them. Right. Yeah. I know that back in my last-minute TV appearance days, which was back when I used to do television a lot, when I lived in New York, I still do it occasionally, um, but not like I used to, just because why am I going into detail like this? I don't know. Um, I did worry that if I said no, they wouldn't ask me again. And yet I know, and you or your booker probably knows, if someone's interested in coming on your podcast but can't do the date you offer, you'll keep asking them. Mm. Like a good guest is gold. I think it's the way you say no also. Right. You know, if you say, oh... God, I would love to. Please think of me again. Yes. I think that's the best way to say no. Right. Yeah. And then if you don't if you don't want to come back and you want to say no, you just say no, period. It always surprises me when people do that. Because I'm like, that is it's I I cannot even deliver a no like that. Mm-hmm. I've never just, just said no. No, like I would that. never say that. I would I would it's say no thank kind, you. Right. I'd say no thank you. Yeah. But I don't put a I don't put an excuse. Because then it, it sort of sends out the message that it's not situational. Right. This is this is categorical. For a long time, when I would get a rejection from a publicist, this is going back to my print journalism days, I assumed the publicist was just saying no to everything. It's like I was doing that wrong kind of math where it's like, no, the celebrity is wonderful. They just have some kind of bitchy publicist. And now I realize I a publicist and manager, they always kick it to the person. Yeah. Right? A publicist never says no to something without bringing it to their client, right? I don't think they ever do. I don't think I've been at the level where my, my reps just turn shit down because it's too bottom of the barrel. I mean, I think they bring me stuff. Yeah. Like sometimes some lunatic will, because my website will say for TV booking, contact my manager, and then they'll send me some crazy lunatic rambling shit that mm-hmm. somebody like, I got an idea for a TV show. You know, we, we go to Montreal, but instead of French, we have Scottish accents and then we all, you know. <laughs> I think I got pitched that one too. <laughs> cosplay? Is there cosplay in it? There might yeah. have been. I don't right. know. Yeah. 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 Sometimes stuff will come through your agents and managers that also came through your Facebook page. Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Oh, yeah. I already received this yeah. on Facebook. Sooner Magic says, just me or everyone, when watching an old sitcom, I sometimes try to laugh as often as the laugh track. I sound like I've gone insane. I've never done that, but I could see where you would sound like you've gone insane. Yeah. Cassidy says... Cassidy is probably how she pronounces that. Mm. Want to scream at the person who goes in the stall next to me in a public restroom when every other stall is empty. Hashtag too close. Yeah, that's weird. That is very strange. Although my friend Jackie Flynn's favorite thing to do is walk into the walk up to the urinals and you know sometimes they have that little mini wall mm. and just tap on it and go, Don't you hate these things? <laughs> <laughs> what fun to be in a men's bathroom. Sunlit Cactus says, just me or everyone, I pee like seven times before bed to make sure I won't have to get up to pee once I'm cozy or sleeping. Yes, and then I also pee when I'm sleeping. I also pee a number of times before starting a podcast, if possible. Hmm. I didn't used to be this way. No, Maybe it'll kids get just... worse. It'll get worse. Yeah. No, I, but I'm talking less about the small bladder of it all than the psychological need to repeatedly empty the small bladder. 
maybe because as a kid, if I kind of need to pee, I would still go somewhere. But I think that's just because as a kid, you're not really planning. Now I'm very much like the second I feel like I need to go, I I want to try to go. Well, it's like how they say that you think you can only hold your breath for a minute, Mm -hmm. but you can actually hold it for like six. I think four. Ready? One, two. Oh, we didn't let us do. (gasps) Good pod. Thirty seconds. Okay, we're coming up on a minute. Allison's trying not to laugh. Greg is looking very confident. I can't do it anymore. <sighs> well, it's hard because it's your podcast, so your your mental. I think that a lot of holding your breath is how much your mind is working. See, this is where his giant cock helps. Again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, did you take an air there? I was taking... <laughs> <laughs> I also was drinking water from your dog's dish. <laughs> and dodging traffic. Do you know that joke? No. Oh, it's it's like a truly tasteless joke. Look, hang on one second. <sighs> um, it's like a guy... These guys want to have a dick measuring contest or something. Um, and it's like, you know, a black guy, a white guy, and a, I don't know what. And Asian. They, probably. Yeah. And they uh, go up to, you know, let's go up to the 10th floor or something to measure. And the, you know, one guy, so they all drop trow and one guy dangles down to the 6th floor and one to the something. And then so the black guy, like, he's just hopping up and down. What are you doing? He's just dodging traffic. It's funny when you're a child. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, that was, um, there's a lot of pressure in that moment because I I both wanted to win, but I also wanted to not have it be dead air. No. And then I, it took me a good 20 seconds to write narrate to to Jeff. Mm -hmm. But by the time I had written it, you had the like ding dong, ding dong timer thing, which that was a terrible, terrible impression of a timer. And I was like, oh, that works. Good timer. Mm -hmm. But then... Greg saw the note and thought it was a note for him. And so then I'm like, no, it was for Jeff. And I showed it to you. And then you thought I was... Yeah. Chaos. Yeah. So you had to navigate a lot, whereas I just had to focus on... uh, Could you have gone a lot longer? Oh, yeah. I think maybe I could have if all that wasn't going on. Now let's see who can not pee the longest. One, two, three. This one could take hours. Oh, we're talking? Yeah. I, okay. Um, but wait, there's something I was going to say. Oh, oh, oh. I know what I was going to say, though. So I've had it in my head, and I know I should save this gold for when I'm on your podcast. Yeah. But I've had it in my head that I have a tiny bladder. No, no. I've had it in my head. Yeah, that I have a tiny bladder and that when I think I need to pee, I don't really. It's just a psychological thing. Oh, yeah. However, like it, like I just need to be more comfortable with having a full bladder. Right. However, because I'm doing the IVF, I feel like there's a transvaginal ultrasound ultrasound wand up my hoo-ha mm. like every other day. Mm. And the, the other day, the doctor said, look at that. It's the Gulf of Mexico. No, he didn't. And I, yeah. And I said. What? He said, yeah. And I said, ha what is that thing? And he said, that's your bladder. He said, you don't need to, you don't. He said, oh, I thought he was talking about your vagina. <laughs> And then there was a lot of Mexicans in there. <laughs> oh, how I wish. No. And then he said, the only time you need to have a full bladder is when they're doing an, a something or other. 
And I was like, it's because you guys put me in this room and then you say the doctor's coming in in a second yeah. and then it takes forever. Mm-hmm. And I really did feel like I needed to pee, but I was convinced I didn't. But according to that ultrasound, oh, that's I really needed to pee. Wow. Yeah. They can tell you a lot from the inside of your vagina. All right. Sasha McGillicuddy says, impossible to eat crunchy food during TV time because it drowns out the sound. Got to stick to quiet snacks or put on the subtitles. Yeah, so why do they serve popcorn at movies? It seems like the antithesis of quiet food. It really does. Well, movies are so loud, I guess they they just blare over. No, but even in your own head, when you're chewing, you can hear it in your own head. Yeah, I know. You're right. It's fucked up. Larry Osberger says, is it just me or does everyone test their concentration? By trying to do time and distance calculations using the treadmill readout. I don't do that. I do it. You do? Yeah. Like what kind of calculation? Well, I also play with pulse. I try to raise my pulse up as high as I can get it and then see how quickly I can get it to come down again. How high do you get it? 165. Mm-hmm. And then uh, and then in terms of time, I also try to time it so that I will I will get to, say, three miles in exactly 22 minutes mm. or whatever the minutes are. I think I do three miles in more like 32 minutes. And so, uh, yeah, it keeps your mind busy. Yeah, I do all sorts of things with numbers, but it's not those calculations. Mm. All right. Isra says, when hearing a quote-unquote interesting fact, I'm always skeptical of its truthiness. Mm. Yes, like, you know that um, that Twitter feed, Uber Facts? Yes. And any sort of Snapple cap fact. Mm. I always wonder, like, oh, really? Did you really calculate that if you lay them end to end, they'll wrap it's around the earth four times? It's always lay end to end, right, yeah. right. Uh, Butter Butler says, you haven't asked, but I just thought of this. Making elaborate meals for company and eating cup of noodles when alone. Um, is that just him or is that everyone? Uh, I don't make elaborate meals for company. So, but, but I would I say like that that's that. probably a pretty good uh, barometer of your self-esteem. What the kind of meal you make The distance between those two meals. Yeah. And if you had amazing self-esteem, oodles and noodles for the guests. <laughs> right. Yeah. And and chicken cordon bleu when you're alone. Right. Chicken cordon bleu. <laughs> that's the least foodie thing I've ever heard. It's like chicken stuffed with bad <gasps> cheese at a fucking... Denny's. Piece of ham inside. <laughs> a piece of ham junked in there. I was. That's what came <laughs> up when I was trying to think of. Sorry, what would it be? I, I, I'm not a foodie at all. Oh, okay. Yeah. It would be um, beef Wellington. <laughs> I only have 1960s crook Saint Jacques. Is that a thing? That's uh, like that's, crook Monsieur. It's it's. I think it's like uh, mussels in this lemon butter sauce. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's fancy. Yeah. Like a Monte Cristo sandwich. Yeah. Have you had one of those? Oh, are you kidding me? Do you like them? That's my sandwich. That's your go-to? With syrup all over it. Oh, I ordered it once as a kid uh, in Las Vegas. We were ordering room service and I got it. Maybe I would like it now, but at the time I did not like the savory and sweet together. If you don't know what it is, it's... Two pieces of French toast. No, three pieces of French toast. One's in the middle like a club sandwich <laughs> with ham, turkey, Swiss. And syrup. And, and powdered syrup sugar. And powdered sugar all over it. Oh. Right. It's it's good except for all the stuff in there that's not the French toast. Yeah, right. That right. was my reaction to yeah. it. 
Michelle S. Benson says, I make conscious, I like that last name. I make a conscious effort to walk to the beat of whatever music is playing. I don't make a conscious effort. I think I just do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard not to, you know, um, and when you're running, it's re- they say, don't listen to music when you're running because you need to find your own pace and the music will change your pace. Really? That's mm-hmm. why I listen to music when I'm running the four times I've done it in my life is <laughs> <laughs> to keep going. But like I, I ride an exercise bike and I always want to listen to fast paced music. Mm. I feel like it actually, sometimes I won't be, I'll be listening to nothing or I'll be reading or something and I'll be feeling like I'm dragging. And then the minute I put on fast paced music, I do feel like it gives me a second wind. It's probably great. I mean, I'm just saying what I've heard. And uh, again, it could be like a Snapple cap. Do, it could be bad advice or, or, or bad facts. Do you not listen to music when you do your 32-minute mile? Listen to audiobooks. Oh. oh. Yeah. All right. So you're listening to Hitler right now. Hitler. Marvin. And I'm still in the part where you're pulling for him because <laughs> he's a tramp. And you just, I don't know what it is in a narrative, but like whoever so the scrappy. protagonist, you mm-hmm. have to, you kind of pull for him. And, and then once he kills a Jew, I'm out. First Jew, out. Right. But it hasn't happened yet. Out of the book or out of rooting for him? Out of rooting for him. Yeah. We'll check back in with you. Okay. Marvin the Earthling says, just me or everyone, when I'm done watching a movie on Netflix, I Wikipedia the shit out of it. In the middle of watching a movie on Netflix. Do you? Oh, yeah. I'm so bad. I can, I'm, maybe I need a patch like you. Um, I will sit down to watch something with my iPad and my iPhone and sometimes a magazine. It's been a uh, while since I sat down with a magazine, but, and then I will constantly be, yeah, I miss a lot of what goes on. Yeah. It's terrible. It is. I sort of takes the, uh, takes the air out of the balloon a little bit. It ruins the tension because you're breaking your, your, your connection to the, yes, to the film. Yeah. It does. It makes it so that... Do you pause it or you do it while the film's going on? I do it while it's going on and then my husband will pause it and stare at me. (laughs) (laughs) I do it during TV shows too. Yeah. Um, What's the most interesting fact you've looked up while watching a movie or TV show? That's a good question. Oftentimes, it's who is that person? That person looks so familiar. Who is that? What have I seen them Mm -hmm. in? Nothing's coming to mind though, which goes to show it's not interesting stuff. And then also a lot of times it'll be this, like, oh, can you pause it for a sec? There's an email I need to deal with, Mm. which I probably didn't need to deal with it at that moment. Um, Oh, and that was the last one. All right. Usually I like to give a little bit of notice. This time I didn't. It just caught us by surprise. Greg Fitzsimmons, it's been delightful having you on my podcast I I love it. I love being on your podcast. I love hanging out with you. I do too. I, I think I love you. I just love you. Take the podcast out of it. I love you too. Oh, Jeff, big fan. <laughs> Jeff, I appreciate you. I cannot say I, I love you. I care for you. I do care for you. I feel like it's safe to say everyone here likes Jeff. Very much. Greg, I love you. I love you. Jeff, thank you for being here. I'll take it. <laughs> <laughs> that is the emotional version of Cup of Noodles, I think, for Jeff. Yes. Um, Greg. Tell everyone uh, where they should go to find you and plug whatever you want to plug. Oh, thank you. I would like to plug, well, Fitzdog Radio is the podcast, which you look for the episode with Allison Rosen on it coming up Definitely do that. I just did a show over at Sirius, and uh, we talked about you. Yeah. Because I met uh, John Matthews. John Matthews. Thank God I got his name right on the first try. Yeah, Yeah, he's very nice. Yeah. We talked about how wonderful you are. 
six bucks an hour and he's talking well about me? Really? That's the going rate. <laughs> really, Jeff? I feel so sh- schnookered if that's, if that's the right word. My animus has been schnookered. Snookered? Yeah. Snookered or schnookered? I'm more of a flim flam guy than a snookered, but you're in, you're in the ballpark. <laughs> right. um, and then uh, I got some tour dates coming up. Uh, Foxwoods in Connecticut and uh, Dr. Grins in Grand Rapids, Houston, Texas, uh, Cleveland. Go to fitzdog.com for tickets and details, and uh, and that's it. I, I don't have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I got that. I have a ringtone. That was a joke. I have a ringtone available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Not suggesting that you talk nonstop or anything. Right. It's why it was a joke that wasn't good. Right. It was just awkward. Yeah. That I'm making it more awkward. You can get that ringtone by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself on your iPhone in the iTunes store. We have two special bonus episodes available recorded live at the LA Podcast Festival. First one with Doug Benson and Greg Proops. Next one with Doug Benson, musician Matt Costa, and the former Thursday Gang. Those are $1.99 in the comedy album section of the iTunes store. Um, I want to thank you guys for all of your PayPal support. There's PayPal links on the right side of my website, AllisonRosen.com. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are, because they have everything, click through the banner on my website, AllisonRosen.com. It doesn't cost you anything extra, but it does help out the show. Thank you so much for all your support. If you like what you're hearing, subscribe, tell a friend, follow me on Twitter at AllisonRosen, follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-M-B-F. Email us, A-R-I-Y-M-B-F-Show at gmail.com. I'm on Instagram and Facebook, easy to find. Jeff, where should they go to find you? I'm Colonel Jeff Fox on social media, and I have my own podcast, Barracuda Radio, which, uh, hey, Greg, would you like to be a guest on my podcast? I would love it. Awesome. Absolutely. Excellent. Can you come to my house? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) See, I'm learning. See, that's how it goes. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show. Listeners, thank you for listening. I love you. Goodbye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Yeah, Alison Rosen is your new best friend.